We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed. Blender HD, if you want to follow me on Twitter. And it's Monday. It's November 14th. And you know what we do on Mondays? It's Mondays with McCool. We bring in James McCool, the co-author with me on the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. And if you already listened to that, we got the Advanced Players course. Came out about, what, two, two and a half months ago? And it includes all of the wonderful built-from-scratch Excel tools that James has uh, has updated also mm-hmm. recently. So you, you'll get that. You'll be able to download that forever. As long as the internet exists, I guess. You can keep, keep buy it and download it as much as you want. James. All you had to do yesterday was play the 30% on quarterback. Did you do it? I did not. <laughs> I did not. I, I I think that he was like a fine play. Like overall, I had him projected well. I think I had him project for like 21 fantasy points. Pretty good value. Um, it's just like I had Tua projected higher at 6,700 when field 6,500. So my optimizer is going to say, well, why am I playing this guy who's because my optimizer includes like trimming and, and taking care of ownership and like evaluating that kind of stuff. So my, my, my optimizer was like, why am I going to play a whole bunch of lineups with this 30% on quarterback when I have this quarterback who projects better for basically the same price and his wide receiver options project better and the game environment looks better. So I did not have Justin Fields. Right. And in the, in the uh, Millie, Justin Fields was 29.4% owned. Tua was 14.1% owned. Yeah. So for a two-to-one ownership advantage, especially if you have Tua projected higher than than, than Fields. I mean, we all knew that these were going to be the three highest-owned quarterbacks. Like the stacks were going to be quite condensed between Fields, Mahomes, and Tua. And I I played 16 lineups. I did well in cash. I did did wonderful – Sure. Cash game, both sure. sides. I'm good. I made, I made, I made plenty of money. I'm good. Uh, in GPP, however, like I, I just decided to say I'm not playing any fields. Right? It's like okay, 
what's the chances that the week before Fields Komet is going to be the winner again? Like, what are the chances? Like, and it happens. And you know what's going to happen next week, James? It's going to happen Justin again. Field is going to be on the slate with Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts. He's going to be 8,000. He's not going to project as as well as the other those other guys. He's going to be 6% owned. We're going to play him, and he's going to score 12 points. Yeah. You know, you know that's going to happen. There's going to be – he's going to get to a point where he's overpriced, and then you play him to be contrarian. And then it, then it, no, it's just, it, he knows this is, this is what, this is what I've, I've heard DFS players say, not good ones. I've heard that these players know when they're chalk. Yeah. Yeah. It's the cabal, right? Or it's the, uh, it's the new world order or whatever. They're just trying but to, they, but the, the thing James is, is that they know it both ways. Like I never understood that. Like, like they know they're chalk when they do well and you don't have them. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, great. The day that I don't have him, like, Justin Fields knew that he was chalk. But, like, if he didn't do well, that means that you were you, you had him, and it's like, oh they, oh, they always, oh, they get injured. They always know when they're chalk, right? Mm-hmm. You take a look at some of the other players. On this slate, most of the chalk failed. Yeah, yeah, it did. I, I felt pretty good, all things considered. I, I wrote an article that was uh, popular plays and pivots, right? And I pretty much nailed it for the most part outside of my one pivot of Tua instead of Justin Fields. And nailing those pivots did not matter, literally at all, because of Justin Fields absolutely crushing. So um, I, I thought that it was – I we went into it having a pretty good idea of, like, it being a pretty good GPP week, all things considered. Um, the ownership was pretty spread out until the Tony Pollard news, and then Tony Pollard was obviously going to be pretty heavy chalk. But still, like, ownership was relatively spread out. And uh, – Outside of that, outside of just Justin Fields, um, it felt like you could make some pretty smart pivots and put yourself in a position to do pretty well in GPPs. And then that 67-yard touchdown run just nukes the slate. There's nothing you can do about it at that point. Another 40 fantasy point outcome. and just is what it is. So, yeah. Well, we'll talk about some other things strategically that, that happened during the slate, but I want to say good morning to everyone in the YouTube chat. Give me those dummy thumbs. You know how much I like those in the morning. Like, subscribe, hit all the buttons. If there's a button on your screen, hit it, right? I don't care. I don't care if it stops the video, starts the video. Just click on everything, right? It helps us out, I guess. It helps me out. It helps you win. If you want to win tonight's showdown slate, we we need we need 100 likes. I, I'm doing, James, I'm doing the TJ's work thing. Like TJ on, on, on Crunch Time or whatever. He's always, he's always claiming things for certain likes. Like I'm, we're, we ain't going to tell you this unless we get hundred likes. I find that to be a little bit. I th- I find that to be like extortion. I think we're better than that. I think but, we're better than that too. So Agreed. like we we're not going to give you anything. We just we give you the the benefit of having a good time. Give you right? the benefit of of Blunder's velvety tones. <laughs> you sound now, chipper they ain't coming morning. for that. You sound chipper this morning. You sound like you got a bunch of energy. Have you had two energy drinks this morning? No, no, no. I only have ginger ale. I only have ginger ale. Wow. You should do that more often. You sound like you're in a pretty good mood. No, I sound like I made money yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it really, that's all it really comes down to. I I crush in in, in both uh, DraftKings and FanDuel. Like I I won like 98% of my head there. Yesterday, I was fortunate enough to not, not only miss the Justin Fields 40-point fantasy point game, but also the Embiid 100 fantasy point game. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't play NBA yesterday. <laughs> I I missed both of the complete outlier instances for fantasy, and at, at least Embiid was only twenty percent owned rather than being like the the chalk. But I still missed out on both of them yesterday, so I did not have a great day. That's why I'm not sounding as chipper as I usually do. Yesterday's NBA, I didn't play. Obviously, I don't. I don't typically don't play NBA DFS on. Uh, football I play Sunday. light volume. I I don't play as much. Well, I saw I saw the notification. I saw the in, in on Twitter. I was like, okay, let, everyone's out. Like, it's a, it's, it's, are you a known basketball player? Well, you're, well, you're out today. Or yeah, like, let, were, what was it? The Grizzlies and the Cavaliers both like basically said we, we ain't playing anyone. Yeah, yeah, they rested, uh, and, and it was notifications later. Like, we knew that that the the Grizzlies were going to rest people. We knew that Morant was going to be rested and everything like that. And that was fine. Like that represented a decent amount of value, but like the slate was still playable with that value. And then Donovan Mitchell and Jared Allen get ruled out for the Cavs as well as Dean Wade. And it's just like, all right, well now you just, if you don't have three Cavaliers and three Memphis players in your lineups, then like don't even play. And the, those slates, it, it's up and down. Like the, the slate before that we had Boston. And Boston rested, or at least Boston had out Al Horford and Jalen Brown and Malcolm Brogdon, right? So, like, that slate, my optimizer was giving me, like, five Boston players in some lineups. And slates like that, I I think, are fine because most people don't want to play five players from one team. So you get a little bit of an edge on that. But slates where there's, like, multiple teams that are just like, oh, yeah, well, here's all the backups. Those slates suck. They're just, they're boring. Well, talking about... People being out, I think the interesting wrinkle on yesterday's slate was how you treated Tony Pollard. And it seems like the field, for the most part, just went along with the the indications that Zeke was going to sit and be inactive. But projections-wise, like early in the morning, certain projection sets were projecting Zeke out. Some were like, Maybe he's out, 10% chance that he's in, but he's he's active, but he doesn't play that much. Uh, I treated Paul, Tony Pollard not as a free square, though. I mean, I had him in eight out of 16 lineups. I obviously had him in both my catch lineups on DraftKings and FanDuel. But you would have to think, even at 6,500, that the milli ownership of 25% would be under had we known that Zeke was sitting on Thursday, right? Like, like I, I felt as if Pollard's ownership was directly proportional effect on Damian Pierce's ownership mm-hmm. rather than both of them being super chalky. Because what yeah. ended up happening is that Etienne and Barkley, like, they retained their owner. They were t- kind of retained their ownership. I didn't have Etienne this high. I thought Etienne would be like 20%, and Barkley would be more like, 28%. But Damian Pierce, without Paul, that Pollard news, Damian Pierce probably would have been 32% owned or whatever. And I was light on him because playing for an underdog, I thought his ceiling potential, good median value, but not very... Do you, are, you, are we going to need Damian Pierce on this slate? Yeah. So no. So, so what did you do? I mean, what did you project? Obviously, you have projections that you, you built from, from yourself. How did you deal with the the Pollard situation? Were you treating it like a late swap, or did you just automatically just said Zeke's out? I'm just going to project project him for whatever workload that you would normally would. Yeah, I I, I projected Zeke out. Um, 
And I thought that that was probably the right decision to make. Well, obviously but, it was. He, he was out. Right, right. But I mean, like, like pre knowing that, right? Like the, the decision there on knowing that and like assuming that he was going to be out just from the, the beat reports and and all of kind of the tea leaves, I guess, or whatever. Mike McCarthy saying that he was going to be conservative or whatever. Like all of those things just kind of led to Zeke being out. But that didn't necessarily make Tony Pollard a good play. In my projections, I did, like didn't make him it, a bad play though. No, no. Well, it made him a better play, but not like a must play. You know what I mean? I, he he. Projected. No, no. That's what I was saying before. That I, I, I think to, I think Tony Pollard would have been higher owned had we had clarity on this on Wednesday or Thursday. But even in in projections, like he wasn't any much better than Damian Pierce, where he's not like a lock button. But right. he wasn't like a bad. He wasn't bad. He was. He should have been in your cash lineups. He he yeah. was good enough median wise at sixty five hundred on DraftKings and at whatever his price was on Fanduel, even cheaper there. That he probably should have been in your cash lineup, but he wasn't a, such a screaming value that probably if you had one hundred fifty lineups, I wouldn't be pressing the lock button. Yeah, I, I don't think he would have been higher owned. I, I don't think he would have been higher projected ownership uh, if we would have had that news earlier. I, I think that late news takes on actually more ownership, especially in NFL. And especially with somebody like Tony Pollard, I don't, well, maybe because shows would have talked about him more, I guess. Right. That's the whole point. Like, yeah. if, right. It would have been, if it was, if we knew this on Wednesday, everyone would say, oh, Zeke's out, got to play Pollard. Everyone loves playing Pollard. Everyone loves that guy, 6,500, especially on a slate where, on DraftKings, there's barely any value. I mean, like, yeah, we're we're we're, pl- we're playing two tight end lineups. We're 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 trying to play Traylon Burks for crying out loud, right? Donovan Peoples Jones is chalk, like yeah. it's that type of slate. So it's like, oh, oh, I get, oh, I can play Pollard and Pierce, and I have two sub seven K running backs. Oh, okay, that that allows me to do a lot more than than James. James just disappeared. He's he's embarrassed, completely embarrassed. I don't know where he went, but I'll say hello to the chat. <coughs> Sorry, Matt, what did you do? What, what were you doing? Changing your clothes? What, what no, was my cat on? was scratching on the door and pissing me off, so I had to put her. Oh, okay. Usually she's napping on the couch behind me, but she doesn't want to take a nap this morning. So, okay. anyway, well, here's um, here's the question for you. In addition to the Pollard thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just the other the other thing that we didn't know was: is Kyler Murray going to play? Is Matt Stafford going to play? No, I mean, no, I, I, think I, don't, that, I, don't, I think that all of those situations, we pretty much knew the answer. We were I think completely we sure. I, I think that we were sure enough. I, I, dude, like, dude, we were not sure on Josh Allen. There were reports even a half an hour before game No, time no, not, not on Josh hour. Allen. Not on Josh Allen, but on Kyler Murray and on Matthew Stafford. I think we pretty much knew what was going to happen in those situations. And with but I don't think it mattered. See, I, I, I was going to ask about Josh Allen because those two, it's like that game sucked as it was, even if yeah, they were in. Yeah. And it's like, I'm probably not going to play Colt McCoy or John Wolford in my lineups. Yeah. And it downgrades everyone else in their offenses, whatever. But it's that Buffalo game of, I really wanted to play Case Keenum. I wanted to play Case Keenum. But then Josh Allen's in and no, like Josh Allen was not owned. Like this is one of those weird slates. Obviously price mattered because to play Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, that's even more expensive than playing Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey on this slate. Yeah. Yeah. But it's kind of wild, especially this year in week 10, to see Josh Allen on a slate 
That's only 10 games, and he's only like 2.9% owned. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, and the, the price is the reason why I think that that situation didn't matter much. Like, if we... Okay, so if we didn't have... And obviously this renders it completely pointless. But if we didn't have news that he was injured and he was only 2% owned on the slate, uh, like you still have issues fitting him in with a competitive lineup, I think. Because it was it was hard to fit in Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes and Juju Smith-Schuster. So like trying to get a full bill stack, that just wasn't going to, that just wasn't going to work. So I think even if we didn't know that he was injured, it was going to be really tough to see him get any ownership at all. And no, like, yeah, he, whoa, 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 whoa! He would have gotten he would have gotten more than three percent ownership. Would have gotten more than three percent, but like optimizers would not have liked lineups with him. Well, they didn't like lineups with Mahomes either. That, my point is that I think that it would have been hard to see him get a lot of ownership, and I think that it would have been. Uh, I don't want to say that it doesn't matter because it certainly matters if he's not injured, but I, I just think that building competitive lineups this week, like it was hard to do as is. And the price on Josh Allen, like it, the, the price for the stack of Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis. Well, no, you don't was, play the stack that way. Hold on. You just don't play. You play Dawson Knox at tight end. Sure. Or you play Dawson Knox. Okay, sure. But like for the, for the purpose of what I'm trying to say here, from an optimizing standpoint, you likely are not going to be getting as many of those lineups as you would have Patrick Mahomes lineups anyway. You would not have gotten as many of those lineups as you would have Chicago stacks. Like he still was going to be low owned because from an optimization standpoint, you just can't fit those lineups with the value that we had. And if you do use value, you're going to be getting like, like I did before I took them out of my pool, Traylon Burks and Van Jefferson and like, uh, Who's that dude from Detroit that's like the third string wide receiver? I don't even remember oh, his Tom name. Tom Kennedy? Yeah, Tom Kennedy. Like you're going to get Tom Kennedy. You're going to be getting two tight end lineups with Greg Dolkich. We saw that how that worked out. Like it just made for bad lineups. And even with the low ownership and now we know that he's injured, like that situation didn't matter either. Because he, you're not getting good lineups with him. You're not getting good optimized lineups with him. And he's injured. And he's too expensive. So at that, that situation, I didn't think that any of the injury situations really, like if you would have assumed that all of those players played, the only one that it affects is the Tony Pollard situation. If you assume that Z plays, and that's just because he drops down like five fancy points or something. And now he projects for 10 instead of 15. That's no, the way I, I agree with that. that. No, I agree with that with the, no, I mean, I didn't play any Allen. I mean, and you could have told me that he was 3% and, just building those lines. Uh, imagine building a Josh Allen single stack with Stefan Diggs and then having Justin Jefferson in that lineup also. Yeah. You just like, you know, who do you who do you play? I mean, I guess you know you know how you play, James? You know how you play that lineup? You all you have to do is you you, you play you, you play Gabe Davis, you plug them all in. Uh you play uh Westbrook Akine, you play Christian Watson, and you play uh just give uh, what other Three percent, two percent on guy for like no no money went off. Harry, right? That's uh, all Harry you have to Ryan. do. Yeah, there, there why, was, didn't, I, why didn't we play Westbrook and Kine and uh, and and Christian Watson? I will point out that my best ball teams loved yesterday. I have a lot of Westbrook and Kine in my best ball. 
That's always the sign sign of someone that lost in DFS on it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, when, when, whatever my, you say. At least my season long team did well. The proportion, you know how how much money they lost in DFS on the on the time it takes them from after mm-hmm. the slate is done to talk about their best ball teams. Oh yeah. Like if it's if it's like an hour later, then it's like okay, they probably had a small loss, right? Yeah. If they're not barely talking about it at all, they probably won. If they're talking about it like. Like, dude, you still you you see the pack the Packers and the Cowboys like on the field like just oh they're shaking hands like that the, the last game just yeah. ended and they're like boy best ball you know that they they got they got wiped out dusted yeah. zero and and if it is before the slate is over if it's an hour until the slate is over and they're already talking about best ball they played with too much money and they lost all of it no no they're most like most likely they played only a few teams and they're they're dead anyway and it doesn't matter at that point. It's uh, let it, me go was, it was a rough week, all things considered. Let me go through the YouTube chat some more. Say hi to some people, right? Good yeah. morning. Morning, everyone. Oh, the defeat of Justin Fields. You know who he's playing yeah, next Falcons. week? Yeah. The Falcons. Right? The the defense that like Cobra Kai is back says the Falcons defense is a defense that stopped such epic quarterbacks like BJ Walker. And running backs like Deonta Foreman, right? Remember they got the Panthers. I remember. Yeah, I was there. I was tilting. Tyreek Hill failed, and Jeff Wilson was a smash, just like Blunder said last week. I did, I, I did not. I did not. Technically, I did not say that. I just said that Jeff Wilson was a good leverage play on Tyreek Hill. It sounds In the same like way that David Montgomery was a good leverage play on Justin Fields, but no one mentioned that one right one. too. Well, it was a good leverage play, and it didn't work out. <laughs> right. Yep. Uh, Spastic Toaster, 140K and ticket to the FanDuel FFWC yesterday. I owe a lot of success to you guys. Thank you for all the free content. Well, thank you. Well, now that you have the money, why don't you pay for some of the content? <laughs> I go di- I go directly, James. I go directly to, well, you made some money. So theory at DFS.com. Why not? <laughs> right? That's the, that's the, you get, get the sales pitch right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but congratulations, spastic toaster. I don't know what a spastic toaster is. What would you put in, James? What would you put in a spastic toaster? Something I need to make spastic, I guess. I'm not. Is that I, is that I, what I a spastic think... toaster would do? Would when oh, so the toaster would make something spastic? Yeah. Or I thought this toaster is spazzing out, so it's like you wouldn't put you wouldn't put anything delicate in there because it's going to be jerking around all the time. Uh, well, I th- uh, okay, yeah, sure. I guess you could see it that way too. Right, it's all the all these. I had a whole conversation last night on Twitter because uh, we do me, me and Dean. If you don't know that, if you go on Twitter Spaces, six fifteen every Sunday, we, me and Dean, sweat the like the last hour or so of games. Uh, we had a conversation. He 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 said he said we, right? I said, are we are we going to whatever like that? I said we, like we. I don't know why you're grouping me into it. And then Dean said, "said maybe there's a mouse in my pocket. I said, what the hell does that mean? What does it have to do with a mouse in your pocket? And then we spent like a half an hour. I'm trying to convince, because he said that, and I looked it up on Google. So it it, it is a thing. Mm-hmm. When someone says, oh, 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 where, 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 you know, where we, we're going to do this. And the we, is there a mouse in your pocket? To like kind of signify that it's, it's like, are you with someone else? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's a sarcastic reply. I've never heard of that. I've never heard of that either. 
I was going to respond to it And he set up a poll. He's like, okay, I'm gonna, we're going to tweet it out. And then 75% of people have never heard of it. I, I, I was trying to get him to explain wh- why a mouse and why a pocket. Like, if you're trying to convey that, why can't it be, you got a cat in your shoe? You got an armadillo in your duffel bag? I mean, like, why Why does it have to be a mouse in your duffel bag? in a duffel bag is a good one. Right? A gerbil in your underwear. Why can't it be that? Oh, that like, one's getting a little close. But, uh, right. yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, that's That saying has never been used in the last 10 years. Not a single – if you ask a single person who was born past year 2000, they've never heard that. Not once. Devin says Dean also uses the word keister without irony. So the story checks out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Dean is basically 60. Yeah, but I'm kind of 60 also. Yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely. But you're 60 in a different way, right? Like you're 60 like an old man 60, and he's 60 like a black and white television 60. Ah, okay. Yeah, different. I think think it's more regional type of thing. I think maybe that saying is something that is not like Northeast. Like I'm more of a, I'm more of a like, if I'm a 67-year-old guy in a, in a 43-year-old body, I'm more of that, like, the the Jewish guy, the, 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 I'm Jackie Mason type, like that type. Yeah, of, yeah you're, you're, you're the, you're the 60-year-old city guy, and he's the 60-year-old country guy. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's, that's the archetype that we're looking at here. Right, I mean, I'll, I'll use Yiddish expressions. Oy vey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are, you know, like that type of stuff, <laughs> Gotta put some schmear on your in your bagel type of like like that type of Dean's more yeah. the the I don't know mouse in your pocket kind of guy. Right? Mouse in your pocket, I guess it's a thing. Or like uh hotter than a June bug in July or whatever that saying is. I don't know. Hammer know. says blender, you're Jackie Green. I'm like Don Rickles, more like Don Rickles. Yeah, there you go. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. People who were born past the year of 2000 also don't know who Don Rickles is, though. So you're going to have to start getting a little Well, that's bit the point. That, that proves the point <laughs> even more, right? Yeah. Donnie Watson has a question in the chat. And then you can feel free to type in your questions. Hit the thumbs up button. That's fine. QQ. On yesterday's slate on DK in single entry three max, do you think it was a mistake playing two high-priced running backs or playing two high-priced tight ends? to change your construction. I don't, I mean, as long as you make a decently projected lineup, I think that's fine. I, I'm not, I'm not sure if there was enough to play the two high price tight ends. Like, I mean, I mean, look, I mean, we could do that right in front of you right now. Okay. I still have my aggregate projections for DraftKings open. Okay. So this is not just the RG projections, not just the blitz projections. It's all across or whatever. Mm-hmm. I reset the, let me reset again because some of these are oh, whatever. The anytime I use the the lineup HU from the day before, you always get like okay, some of the ownership is going to be off a little or whatever. Okay, so let's say I'm gonna let me put everyone back in the pool. So let's say you were to play, where what is this, Kelsey Hawkinson? So yeah. like if I if I just like optimize right here, based on the aggregate. Owner, this is this is obviously with uh, not a non-manual adjustment for Pollard. So Pollard isn't projected as well as he should be. The top projected lineup is one forty-four twenty-six. We don't have to care about the ownership because the the ownership is all screwed up here anyway. So one forty-four twenty-six. So let's go reset this and let's put in Kelsey and Hawkinson. 
and see what the highest possible this is without correlation, without nothing, just to see what's the highest number lineup that you could possibly get. 136.7. So you just to get that construction, you had to give up what? Eight points? 136.7 to 144.26. You do drop 15 points in ownership. No, I don't don't count the ownership because we have some empty columns here. Oh, right, right, right. Right, right that's why I said don't. I, I, anytime yeah. that I'm using lineup HQ with with the inputted sources and stuff, it's 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 not gonna it's not gonna show up right because I I reset everything. Uh, okay, but then let's say you put in Barkley, Barkley and Henry. I'm gonna guess this one turns out to be like 141. Yeah, I'm I'm assuming you're not gonna give up as much projection. Yeah, one forty one ninety three. Nice. Right. Yeah, I I thought that because I played a lot of two expensive running backs. I, I had Derrick Henry in all three of my lineups yesterday, and I had uh, I had two Derrick Henry Josh Jacobs lineups. I think um, I thought that there was enough value at wide receiver, and I was fine with going two tight end this week. Basically, if you didn't play Travis Kelsey, it didn't matter what tight ends you chose. Like, like they're they're all like three K, and they all project for like the same. Like they're fine. Um, so I thought that playing two expensive running backs was fine. We had Donovan Peoples Jones, we had Matt Collins, we had um Zay Jones, we had Marvin Jones. Like we we had value plays we'd play at wide receiver. So I think that running back was fine to do that. And and there wasn't really a lot of cheap running back value that was gonna make lineups work. So paying up at running back, I think was fine. Paying up a tight end was really, really hard. Because in order to pay up for tight end, you had to either pay down, you had to pay down basically at both wide receiver and running back to make it happen. And like I just said, we didn't have enough value at running back to make those kind of lineup constructions work um, from a projection standpoint. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that two expensive running backs makes a lot of sense last week just based on, again, this is just intuitive sense of like the way the slate was built out in the rush construction. And I'm sure the blunder is going to show like some actual data behind it. But um, I, I think the two expensive running backs made sense based on the fact that we had cheap tight ends we could use to supplement value. Donnie Watson says, you said on the show, or he, he thinks it was me, that you're willing to give up 15 points of projection. So I was more than willing to give up some points. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. But mm-hmm. you still have to find more places. Like the more that you give up just by that sense, like if you play Hawkinson and Kelsey, you give up what? Eight points in projection. If you're willing to give up another seven, you have what other places can you give it up? Like you're more likely to be playing chalkier players in that construction because that's the only way to maintain a higher projection. Mm -hmm. While you, when you play Barkley and Henry together from the optimal, you only give up three points. So if you want to give up another 12, all of a sudden you're getting rid of Damian Pierce. You're getting rid of Tyreek Hill. You're getting, you can get rid of a lot more of the chalk because you didn't give up that much by the construction to begin with. So that's yeah. the point. So remember, we put in Hawkinson and Kelsey. If you wanted to do that, right? You still Were you still playing Fields? Were you still playing Pierce? Were you still playing Peoples-Jones at 20% ownership? Were you playing the Cardinals defense? I mean, in order to give up more points, you're going to have, okay, well, I don't want to play Matt Collins chalk at 15% ownership and people's job. I mean, like what happens if you don't want to do this? Okay. We get rid of Pierce. 
Let's get rid of Pierce. So I'll show you exactly what I mean. You get rid of Pierce. Okay. How many points now are we going to go down? 136. Now 133. Okay, so now we're already 11 points behind the optimal. And then you go, well, I'm not going to play Justin Fields, right? So you're not going to play Justin Fields there because you're not playing Komet, right? You're playing two pay-up tight ends, right? Maybe you maybe you want to play Mahomes in this line because you have Kelsey there. Now, what does this lineup look like? 132.95 with Etienne and Kamara. Burks, Peoples, Jones, and Jones. Yeah, it seems like a really good combination of how to get 25 points out of wide receiver slots. Look at this, right? So let's say, let's say you don't want to play Kamara uh, in this lineup because you're playing Mahomes-Kelsey, obviously, right? Maybe you're playing Valdez-Scantling to complete the stack, right? You're doing something like this and maybe you're playing Zay Jones, but you now, now you're not playing at the end. So you're, putting, you're making some type of Mahomes three plus one. Now you're down to 130.8. You're still playing the Cardinals defense, which is chalky. Still playing Peoples-Jones, which is chalky. You're still playing Kamara, which is decently enough. Now, Jamal Williams is a little off the board. Okay. You may be fine with that, but it's like, okay, let's get rid of the Cardinals defense. Right? We lose. We don't want to play chalky defense. Get rid of that. Now, let's see. Jacobs, Kamara, Burks, Colts defense. 130. We're now like 14 points off the optimal. It's like Burks, I don't want to I don't play a 3K wide receiver. That's going to be like 7% owned for no reason because he's, good, he's the only 3K guy to fit in. All right, get rid of him. Now you're down 130.48. You got Singletary, Henry, Peoples-Jones, Vikings. This may be decent, but Vikings aren't 6% on. They're going to be like 20% on. So it's yeah. like, you still, look how chalky your lineup still gets. You're still playing a 20% on 4K wide receiver. With another 15% that's already in your stack, Henry's decent. And Henry's fine. The running backs are fine, but maybe not the defense. I mean, you can get away with it, but it's like, look how much you have to do just to get rid of ownership. Steelers, defense, and Kamara together, you're probably not doing. Singletary, Kamara, Titans, that's doable. But look, you've sacrificed 15 points. Like, you've already gotten to that point. But look, you're still playing chalk. Like your your lineup is still chalky, especially at the spots where you really don't want to be chalky. Cheap wide receiver chalk, right? That's disgusting to have these all three of these guys. If anyone's playing a 4K wide receiver in this range, you're playing one of these three guys or Max Hollins. And you're saying, screw that, I'll play all of them. That's I personally, that's probably not combinatorially, that's probably not the best way to go. Yet, <laughs> let's go to the Henry Barkley combination where you don't sacrifice as much projection. This lineup got down to 129. So yep. let's build another lineup with Henry and Barkley that gets down to 129. And let's see what it looks like. I, obviously, we don't have ownership to go off of because it's kind of screwed up here. But now, okay, here's the optimal with, with Henry and Barkley. 141.93. Okay, so we want to get, we don't mind going down to 129. We've already said, let's try to 15 points off the 144 optimal. Uh, let's start taking people out, right? You're playing Henry, you're playing Barkley, right? Who's on the other side of Henry? Maybe you want to play someone like Cortland Sutton or Judy or something to yeah, be on Judy. the other side, right? So we're going to get, we're going to get 
I mean, he's going to project decently. So we're going to get rid of Fields, right? You don't want to play a chalky quarterback, right? We're going to get rid of, we're going to do again. We're going to get rid of Pierce. Okay, get rid of Pierce. Get rid of the Cardinals defense. Maybe get rid of Dulcich. Cheap chalk tight end. Okay. We've done that already. We're down to 138. So we still got a ton, ton, ton to go. Right? We got both Moreau and Hollins in there. Maybe I'll point out that this right here, 138, is where the Travis Kelsey and um and TJ Hawkinson lineup was optimal. This this was the right. highest that we saw with that. Right. And we've already eliminated all that chalk. Just like right. So let's get rid of the Vikings defense. Let's get rid of Amon Ross St. Brown, maybe. All right, I'm just keep on going. I'm just trying to find who the chalkier pieces of these lineups are. Try to make a stack at some point. Okay, we got Juju here. Juju's definitely, I mean, Juju is way, way chalky. 137, we still got Burks, Peoples-Jones, Zay Jones, Moreau. Maybe, let's see. Maybe get rid of Peoples-Jones. And we'll see what stack forms. I mean, I think maybe we could play, maybe we could play Hollins and Moreau with Carr. And make that the stack. Okay, we're at 135.96. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, we still got tons of ways to go. We're going to take out Zay Jones now. Because we got six more points to go. So Zay is going to be chalky enough. Christian Kirk, Moreau, Brian, 134. I mean, we got Christian Kirk in here now. Kirk, let's get rid of Christian Kirk. Just trying to get down to 129, the same level that we were before. Marvin Jones, Tyreek Hill. Let's get rid of Tyreek. See what starts coming up. 133, we're at 132 now. Well, we don't want to play Traylon Burks at 3K. We get rid of him. Okay, now we're at 132 with Valdez, Scantling, Deontay Johnson, Boston Moreau, Kamara's in here. Yeah, take so let's see who's the chalk. Let's get rid of Valdez. Let's get rid of MVS. I'm just looking for who who the, the highest owned guy in this type of lineup would be. Marvin Jones. Here's Cortland Sutton against. Okay, we're going to keep Cortland Sutton because he's correlated with Derrick Henry. Right, so now we got a, we got basically these spots to fill. 
131.96. Uh, let's see. Get rid of Kamara. Get rid of Kamara there. Okay, now we're down to 131. We got Steph Diggs and Engram in the lineup. Steelers defense. Like, look, we're we're two points ahead of that Hawkinson Kelsey lineup that we made before. And, and we're still look how look how different this lineup is. Mm-hmm. Like just from an ownership perspective. Right? You're probably playing digs at barely any ownership. Engram's gonna be somewhat owned. Steelers, I mean, just take a look at this lineup. You're not playing Peoples Jones. Yeah, you're playing Hollins there, but you're playing him in a stack with Carr. You're playing double tight end. Maybe you don't want to do that. Okay, I don't want to play a double tight end. Okay, so I'm going to get rid of Ingram. Let's let's keep on going. We still got two more points to go. Dalton Schultz, double tight end. Okay, we don't want to, let's see, we don't want to do that. I'm going to say you don't want to do that. Here's Moreau Jacobs. Probably, probably don't play Jacobs. That, yeah. Right, you probably don't play Jacobs together with all these guys. Right, so you get rid of Jacobs. 130. We still got a point to go, and this lineup looks so much different, so much less owned than the one that we just did before. Here's a here's Kelsey. Now you're playing Kelsey there also with Marvin Jones. Hey, this isn't that bad of a lineup, actually. Yeah, actually, there you go. It's correlated because you see Carr, Hollins, Moreau. Right, you don't need an Indian. You don't need to bring back. You don't need now, now. Just lock in the Giants' defense, and that's a lineup. Well, the Giants' defense is is way more expensive. Oh, more expensive. Yeah. Right, but still Jones. And Kelsey are opposite each other, and Sutton and Henry are opposite each other. And then you have your your Las Vegas stack. The only thing you would want is Indianapolis. So let's say instead of Kelsey, let's say uh, I'm going to get rid of this. Let, let's say you play Jonathan Taylor. Let's plug in Jonathan Taylor. Let's plug in Moreau to the tight end spot. One twenty-seven. Okay, so let's let's. Get rid of Sutton. Thielen, 128.83. We're close. Right, I mean, lo- I mean, look at this lineup. This lineup looks so much more different than the 129 lineup of the same projection. You're not playing 20% owned 4K wide receivers. You're playing one of them, but he's in a stack. Yeah, you're playing a high-owned Barkley, sure. But Henry's like 12% owned. Thielen's barely owned. Jonathan Taylor's barely owned. Steelers defense has been, is that at least it's not the Cardinals or the Vikings. Mm-hmm. So there, there are more paths to similarly projected but lower owned lineups with the Barkley-Henry combination than there was with the Kelsey-Hawkinson combination. Yeah, it took us like 10 minutes to get down to that. It took a lot of swaps. We're doing it one by one. Obviously, if you just plugged it as a new option, I could just made lineups and just sure. kept on running them and then throw them into the portfolio trimmer, theoryofdfs.com. And you would have seen you would have seen that immediately. But again, set the lineups in and portfolio trimmed it, used the smart trim, and then be like, oh, the only thing that's left are these Barkley Henry lineups and not right. the Hawkinson Kelsey lineups. But th- this is showing how that process happens. Right. Like this is the difference between arithmetic, which is what we just did one by one going through like the basics of the math versus calculus, where it's just like, hey, here's a calculator. It'll do all the arithmetic for you. Like understanding that it took that long to get down to a lineup that was the same projected that just 
kind of tells you that the high price running back lineups, there's going to be a lot more of them that you can play that produce good lineups. Rather than lock up your flex position with a high price tight end on a slate that it barely has any value. Right. Yep. You needed that, that optionality on the slate. You really did. I mean, I played some lineups. I played some two tight end lineups in GPP. Yeah. And also I tried to correlate. Like I was like, here's a lineup like this. If I'm going to play two tight ends, why don't I play them all from the same game? Tua, Tyreek, Gazicki, Bryant. Yeah. I still play Donovan Peoples-Jones as a three plus two stack. I also played, I believe, a Brissett one with Jeff Wilson. You're right. I did something like this. Brissett, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Harrison Bryant, then played Jeff Wilson and Tyreek Hill. Mm Mm-hmm. Three plus two in that game. And I was trying to avoid that 4K range unless it was correlated. Mm-hmm. So I was playing a lot of pickings at 5K because it's just, it's people were trying to go down to like Traylon Burks. And I'm like, no, why don't I make it so I'm going up? It's just that I'm playing kind of cheaper quarterbacks. And I'm also not playing two high price running backs together. I'm taking a shot on Wilson. I'm taking a shot on Najee Harris. Yeah. I'm taking a shot on, on some of these guys, Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary on FanDuel was chalk. Devin Singletary on DraftKings was 4% off. Yeah, I really liked the Devin Singletary play. It was great. What was my worst lineup? 82. My Aaron Rodgers lineup. Aaron Rodgers, Alan Lazard, Robert Tanyan. Yeah, if you would have told me that Green Bay put up 31 points and Alan <laughs> Lazard and Robert Tanyan would combine for nine, I wouldn't. And then Jerry Judy got injured. There's Mac Hollins there, Derrick Henry with eight points, Damian Pierce in. I didn't mind Damian Pierce in this lineup because it didn't project that well. Tony Pollard, Rams defense. Yeah, not not very good. Right. And my best lineup was a Patrick Mahomes MVS Kelsey lineup with Najee and Wilson and Pollard. My best lineup was a Minnesota lineup. Oh, you played Cousins? I did. I had Cousins, Jefferson, and Hawkinson. And I actually did not have a bring back in that one. Because I because I didn't know what was going to happen with the Buffalo situation, right? You should like have I, played I Singletary in that lineup. I well, so that lineup I did consider playing Singletary, but I had enough money on this one to be able to go with Josh Jacobs and Derrick Henry. And I could have gone down to Singletary instead of having and I did. I was looking at my lineups with like five minutes to lock. I was like, eh, do I really want to have Derrick Henry in all three of these lineups? I projected really well. I did consider dropping off of him, and then I didn't. So um but yeah, I, I thought a Minnesota stack was was really really good there. Um, mostly just because the the Miami stacks, like being able to have Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins allowing enough money for me to be able to pay up at running back. That was kind of my big thing this week. Like I, I wanted to be able to pay up at running back for the most part, just because I thought that people were going to be taking on some some shaky value, and I, I didn't think that Damian Pierce was really that great of a play. I didn't think Tony Pollard was that great of a play. So I, I was happy to try to pay up. But, I mean, of course, that requires you to pay down at wide receiver. Um, I had Nico Collins in that lineup. He did well. He had 15.9. Um, but I also had Dolkich and I had Matt Collins. It's like, life's hard. Yeah, I was just trying to avoid that 4K wide receiver range. So that's why I didn't mind taking shots on the lower price. I, I did the opposite mm-hmm. way. I'm like, yeah. don't if, if I'm going to play a high-priced running back, it's going to be with a sub-6K running back also. Like, I'm going to yeah. mitigate. A lot of people are spending about – somewhere around 13.5 for their mm-hmm. two running backs. So it's like, well, I want to spend 13.5, but I want to spend like, it's Barkley Najee. It's Henry Singletary. 
It's, you know, something like that with with Jeff Wilson Jr. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And and I did like, I, I liked a couple guys. I did almost talk myself into Kareem Hunt, which would have been bad anyway. But I, I thought the Kareem Hunt in uh, Miami stack was actually a really interesting way to go. Considering the game script idea and everything like that. I did have a build earlier in the day that was a Miami stack with Tyreek Hill and Trent Sherfield, which because I, I couldn't afford Waddle and Tyreek Hill projected like God. So I had... Uh, I had a Miami stack with Tua, Tyreek Hill, and Trent Sherfield, and then I had Kareem Hunt and Amari Cooper on the other side, basically just trying to maximize that game. I thought that looked pretty good, but I I just couldn't talk myself into going with Kareem Hunt in that spot, and I think that it made the tight end situation weird. I, I thought that I had a good grasp on the way that the slate looked. I just chose the wrong path in terms of pivoting away from how the slate was going to be built up. Right, but all you had to do was play Justin Fields and Cole Komet. Yeah, I know. I know. I almost I almost prefer slates where there's shock one-offs that kill me rather than like just like very similar James to your your wonderful bold Geno Smith call from earlier this year. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Like it's almost it's almost better like if Damian Pierce would have scored 32 points and I barely had him, I wouldn't have minded. Right. Right. It's just like when you're off, like I purposely went into my 16 lineup saying I am literally playing no one from this Bears Lions game. Mm-hmm. Like it's like whoever's in this game that's being played is probably being playing correlated. So there's no point in me playing one offs. And I'm I believe that this game is over owned. Yeah. And I'm choosing instead of even having one or two lineups that I could make, I could have made. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying I'm just going to X this out. I'm just going to. It maybe maybe they do decently enough, but not enough to maybe Amon Ra Brown has points, but he has twenty two. Okay, I could survive twenty two points. Yeah, maybe Justin Fields has twenty eight. It's like okay, maybe he's not necessary. Maybe Cole Komet has eight points. Okay, Darnell Mooney is eleven. Like you, you're sitting there with like no one has any points that it's worth it, and a lot of people are playing these guys. So yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm just not not don't play them at all. And on those slates, it's like, oh, like I X'd out the game that I needed to have, right? And you didn't even need to have the game. All you need to do would have fields and commit. Like it wasn't the type of thing where you needed, oh, you also needed Khalif Raymond or you also needed DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift, what are people doing, James? I don't know why people keep playing. James, DeAndre Swift was 7% owned. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know why keep, people keep playing him. Like I, I even said it, I said it on my main slate breakdown, which I recorded and it took me 45 minutes, which didn't pick up any of my audio. So it didn't get used, but I did say it like, stop. I, why are people still playing DeAndre Swift? Like he hasn't had more than like a 12% target or 12% mark share of the target or carries and running back opportunities for the team for like a month. Why, why are you still more playing? than a month? At least a month. If we include the bye week, then yeah, over a month. Like it's been so long. It's been the vast majority of the season that people are still playing DeAndre Swift. And it's like, why are you doing this? Now, at 6,400, if you if he was 4,800 and you wanted to take a shot, yeah. maybe. Yeah. But I mean, he I did he had like four touches. He only, I think he only played nine snaps, nine or 10 snaps total. Yeah. Yesterday. I, he got a, he got his touchdown. He got 8.2 points. I thought maybe DeAndre Swift would be like, one and a half percent owned. I'm not saying that I would have played him anyway, but 
like I was just going through ownership, you know, afterwards. I'm like anyone that I was off, off on. So the people that I was off, off on, uh, I had, do people just not like playing Foster Moreau? Because I had Foster Moreau. See, Foster Moreau came in at 11.9 and Dulcich at 28.4. I had them closer to, I had them both at like 16%. Yeah. Right. Rather than one guy being so much higher than the other guy. Uh, so I was way off on Dulcich. Yeah, I didn't play much of him, but I'm just saying that I was off on, I was off on Etienne by a bit. I thought he would be 20. I was off on Juju. I thought Juju would be over 20, but not 27. I thought Donovan Peoples-Jones would be like 18. Christian Kirk would be like 16. So like directionally okay. But I was like going through all of this, like Chase Claypool, 14%. What are people doing? I knew I knew I had to bump up Mooney and Claypool because of Fields' ownership. Yeah. I just I had Claypool at like seven per six, six to eight percent owned, not 14. But then when I was doing this and I kept on going down, and I like once I got down to DeAndre Swift, I'm like, he's seven percent. Why are people why is he seven percent? I I don't know. I really don't I know. One percent. Like how do you play a $6,400 guy that gets like maybe only sees the field for 10 snaps? How how old was Moreau? Moreau was 11.9. Okay. So I while I while, had, while uh Dulcich was 28.4. Yeah, I had Dulcich and Moreau projected each for about 17.5% ownership. Right. Uh, well, and I had I had Dulcich slightly higher projected, but he's also $200 more. Yeah, so that's, like that's from, exactly a, from a point per dollar standpoint. That's exactly like, what I, I had. And uh, apparently what it turned out was that everybody was just like, I would just rather play Dolchich. And so it gave him an extra 10% ownership and it took away 10% ownership from Moreau. <laughs> and he ended up 28% out. I, James Aguirre in chat says, I think Dolchich has the ability to be a quote, true move tight end and thought he had more upside than your normal catch and fall guy. You know, you know, you know what, you know what happens when you, when you think like that, like, uh, where, where in the numbers does it say that? That's all I, what, I mean, yeah. Then why isn't he projected higher? You're telling me that you're going to put in that, you're going to, I'm going to project Greg Dulcich as Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Good luck. Uh, did I, or did you No one, no one I saw did. I, I, I think that Adam Levitan is a very, very good fantasy analyst, all right? But he tweeted out something today that said, more incredible usage for Greg Dulkich yesterday. And then in the tweet said, four targets for a 9% share. <laughs> and I'm like, in what world is that incredible usage? That's like... That's like Harrison Bryant, I think, had the same usage. He might have had more usage. I don't – these – not specifically speaking to Adam Lowe-10 here because I think he's great, uh, but people just want to look at through these lenses and say that one situation that is a 9% target share is a million percent better than another situation that's a 9% target share. And it's like – Unless one person has an A dot of 17 and one person has an A dot of three, those are the same situation. Right. And and to speak even more to this, Greg Dulkic is on the freaking Broncos, dude. 
like Russell Wilson couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with a softball right now. And like, and it doesn't matter. And you're, and you're saying that a 9% target share on the Broncos is incredible usage. Come on. Come. That's not incredible usage. That's like, if you, if you assigned that usage to Mike Gesicki right now, people would be saying that he's a failure and that he's bad in the Dolphins offense. Right. And by the way, Mike Gesicki has like a 9% target share on the Dolphins. I, I'm going to, hold on, hold on. You're going to check? I'm going to check. But I, I want to I highlight the fact that Dulcich for point for dollar wise was the highest projected tight end. Not yeah. the highest raw point projected tight end, but for 3,400, his median projection was the highest point per dollar. So it's not like he's a quote bad play. Just like there's no reason for him to be 28% owned versus Foster Moreau being 11 or Harrison Bryan being seven or Evan Ingram, right? Evan Ingram was what? 10% owned? Like the gap. Greg Dulcich should have been the highest owned tight end. I'm not refuting that. But he should have been the highest owned, owned tight end at 14% while Moreau is 12%. Right. While Ingram is 11%. While Bryant is 9%. Like, that's the gap. It shouldn't be that dramatic. Yeah, I, I just checked. Micah Sicky. Yeah, Greg R. No, no. Greg R. says Dulcich was out-targeted by the other usage monster, Kendall Hinton. <laughs> Mike Gesicki, who everyone says is an absolute abject failure so far this year in fantasy for Miami. All right. They've been talking about it all, all offseason. Mike Gesicki is not going to be used this year. Uh, Mike McDaniels doesn't like using tight ends. He's not going to line up out wide. Everybody was right about all of this, right? Like completely on the nose. He's not used outside. He's only used in line. He is not being targeted the way that he was last year. 11.55% target share the last four games. From Tua in a passing attack. So prob probably for more raw targets because the Dolphins passed the ball more. Probably for more raw targets. It's right. insane. I'd like and a nine percent target share on the Broncos <laughs> offense with Russell Wilson throwing them. Who who did not score more than one touchdown in a game for six straight weeks? Incredible usage. Fantastic. Can, uh, can you can, can, how about look? Can you how about uh, Engram's usage? Oh, Engram was way significantly better. I, I had Engram. Okay, how about how about Moreau? Okay, so Moreau I had at. I had a 17% usage for Moreau, which was better. 17% for what, yesterday or 7% overall? 17%. Uh, I would have to check. Yeah, last four games, 17%. Okay. Uh, and then the other one was was Engram? Yeah, Engram. 19%. Same samples. Same and, Dulce, and then how about Dulcich? Do the same and, thing and for Dulcich. Dulcich was 16 and a half. Which, okay. which is, all these guys project about the same, right? Like right. if I go into my projections right now and I look at tight ends, here, here's what I had, okay? Travis Kelsey, the only elite tight end on this slate. I had for 18.9. And, <laughs> and then I had Evan Ingram, 10.4. Greg Dulkich, 9.9. Pat Fryermuth, 9.6. TJ Hawkinson, 9.5. Foster Moreau, 9. Harrison Bryant, 8.4. Zach Ertz, 8.2. Like, we are still within two fantasy points of each other, and I just named off seven 
different tight ends. Right. Outside of Travis Kelsey, if you played anybody, they were they were fine. Absolutely right. fine. Right. The point isn't that we're bagging on Dulcich. The point is that there's not a reason why Dulcich, from a numericals perspective, should be twice as owned as any of the other tight no. ends in that range. Absolutely not. And that's why I wrote up in, in my popular plays and pivots, like, just play Evan Ingram instead of Greg Dulcich. Like, that. why would... They're, they're the same price. You're going to get Evan Ingram. And this was when my aggregate had Greg Dulcich at 17.83% projected ownership and Evan Ingram at 6.5. And then Dulcich ends up being 28% owned. And it's like, yeah, Evan Ingram was a million times better. Right. Hammer says and yesterday, two points. And that would, that would, and Judy got knocked out in the first quarter. Yeah. So you got, you seeded like a 20% target share out of the offense already. But, but, Four targets. Incredible usage. It could be Travis says every tout side is someone that loves Dulcich from his college days. This is why you shouldn't watch college sports, by the way. Because then you develop these biases on guys like Dulcich and play him and consider his usage incredible with four targets. Or the preseason guys. Oh, he was great in preseason. I don't watch preseason. I don't even care what happened. I don't care. What's now, granted, granted, I had Cole Komet project for six fantasy points. So, obviously... Like these these things, like when we build out projections, it's based on what we can expect to be usage. And and Cole Komet's usage was not incredible. And then he had a 50-yard touchdown yesterday and shit happens, right? But it, it's really, really important. I just want to like point out here that <laughs> the, the numbers, and this all goes back to that idea of a true move tight end versus a, fall, a, a catch and fall guy, right? Like you, you you just can't project that kind of thing unless it's in the baselines and baselines are not going to make the assumption of a true move tight end. It just, it just can't be done. Where, so, where's, where's the check box here on line of HQ? Where, where do I see where the true move tight ends are? Is there another, is there a category? Could, do I click on it? So I guess like if you, where, if you wanted to, I, know, I know the numbers say 10 and whatever that it's included in the projection, but is obviously is Pratt Fryermuth a true move tight end? Do I have to change anything? The hell is how, that mean? Okay, so how would we how would we go about that? A true move tight end is that like somebody who can like break tackles and run? Like is Dallas Godert a true move tight end? Well, Zach Ertz probably isn't. No, he's probably just like a guy that catches and falls over, right? Right. But, but if, like, if they a, were a true move tight end, wouldn't their projection just be better? Right, that's that's what it would I'm already to be do. in the projection. So Dulcich is projected in my aggregate at ten point three one as a true move tight end. The only way for me to make him higher is to move him falsely. Right, right. Well, I would be I would be changing his projection for no reason. Is Greg Dulcich as a true move tight end? And and like just to be to be straightforward here, we're not making fun of you for calling him a true move tight end. We're just using it as like part of this whole thing. Um, <laughs> shut up. Uh, <laughs> like if you, if you look at the way that Greg Dulcich was projected, right. And if he is considered a true move tight end and, uh, I don't know, Dalton Schultz is not considered a true move tight end. Like, let's just use those two guys. Greg Dulcich being projected for 10.31 would have to make the assumption that he gets three catches as a true move tight end and can move after he catches it. And Dalton Schultz gets four catches and is not a true true move tight end, right? Like that's the way that you would make the assumption of a true move tight end versus a catch and fall guy. But 
with that assumption made, they still project about the same. So why play one at 28% ownership when the other one is at 4% ownership? The projection is about the same. And if you trust the projection source that you're using, then you should assume that the true move tight end variable is accounted for. Right. The true move is to just press the button. Right? Like, How good like did that line up do? How did you get to your cash lineup? It's like, well, I pressed the button. And it's like, oh, well, the button is dead. Okay, well, I didn't account for Pollard. Right? So I'm going to lock in Pollard. Okay, lock in Pollard. Press the button. And and there you go. Yep. Fields, Pollard, Pierce, Kirk, Amon Ra, Hill, Dulcich, Moreau, Vikings defense. That was my cash line. That was my that was my cash process. It was it was 15 seconds long. I people people ask me and like they're like, oh well, how, how, you know, who should I play in cash? And I'm like, I, I mean, I'll, I'll give you like the the cash core, I guess, but like it's just it's just a button, man. And, and there there was this huge thing yesterday about like I don't know. It was a person who didn't want to pay for uh, for roto grinders. Like for the optimizer, it's like okay, well, who doesn't want to pay for roto grinders? Well, he he was like, oh well, it's expensive, and I and I I was like, okay, obviously well, he's not a true move DFS player. <laughs> he's not a, yeah, he's a catch and fall DFS player. <laughs> but he he was like, well, I I don't like hand building, like I don't want to hand build, so I need an optimizer. I'm like, go get a roto grinder subscription. He's like, well, it's too expensive. I'm like, all right, here here, I usually do this in coaching sessions, but I'll give you a free session right now. How much are you playing with per month? Oh, about four hundred bucks, like like fifteen bucks a day. Okay, cool. Drop that down to 10 bucks a day and go get a subscription to Roto Grinder and just press a freaking button. Like it's and and he was like, No, I don't want to invest that much in in an optimizer. And I'm like, you're allocating the money somewhere already. Like it costs you it in this example, it costs you five dollars a day to never have to hand build ever again for the purpose of what you're doing. If you hate hand building so much, is that not worth five dollars a day? It's absolutely worth five dollars a day. Like, just go do that. And this is the reason why. Because, like, for cash games, literally, literally, three minutes before lock, click, enter it. You don't even have to be three minutes. I mean, I do it when, when the inactives come in. The only thing that I didn't have adjusted is Pollard. So that's why it's like, okay, well, I have to account for Pollard. I'm going to play Pollard. Okay. And then what's the best? And I, I look at this lineup. I go, oh, I'm avoiding all those 4K wide receivers that easily have a zero in their range of outcomes. Oh, okay. I'll do that rather yep. than play two of them like other yep. people are doing. So fine there, double tight end. What do I care? Is this the top? Is this the top number lineup? Yes. Okay. Give it to me. And, and fun fact, if you just go by the way that I do things and I just say, I just want to play all the highest on guys. Here's the core that I came up with that I gave away in a free article yesterday. Justin Fields, Tony Pollard, Damian Pierce, Amon Ross St. Brown, Tyree Kill, Greg Dulcich, Cardinals defense. And that's fine. Like you then you can take that and you can look at it and say, oh, I just need to fill in two more spots. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll probably go tight to tight end and go with Christian Kirk, who's also super high owned. And there you go. Right. That's all it is. I yet, people, yet people will people will spend days in conversation about two V2s in cash games. I did. To me, there's a better allocation of your time. Anything. There's a better. You can do anything else with that time, and it's a better allocation of your time. Mari Don Yeezy says he must have a mouse in his pocket. He must absolutely. That true move tight ends have mouses in their pockets. That's, That's why, why they, they move. move. 
Yeah, they're moving so fast because they're they're trying to get the mouse out of their pocket. Oh, and Alex Santi says my wife's got a true move tight end also. That was okay. slutty. Was... We've gotten to that point. We got to that point. We know the show is about about over. Yeah, we get to that that point. So, mm. uh, James, obviously you you, you advertised Roto Grinders for the Optimizer. So, I mean, hey, line up HQ. Go click on the link in the description. Oh. Get ten dollars off your first month of a combo premium package for that. James, people could find you at paydirtdfs.com. Yeah, paydirtdfs.com. Um, you can find me on Twitter at paydirt underscore DFS. Uh, I have projections and models for nearly every single sport. And I tell everybody to just go get a Roto-Grinder subscription for the optimal because I think that my projections work very, very well. I use Roto-Grinders and lineup HQ for, for optimizing when I just need to find out some things about optimals. And it's, it's just a good combination of things. So go grab a subscription both. Are you doing World Cup projections? Oh no, I've had people ask. I just I'm I might have time. When does when does it start? Uh the 29 a week from now. Week from now? No. I I don't I I it is weird for me to say publicly. I don't trust you to do to do soccer projections. That's that's rude. That's it I'm really rude. good at event oriented sports. Come on. I'm I'm great at them. It's but it's not an event oriented sport. No, it's it's partially linear, right? It's like hockey, right? It's like hockey but it Number one, you're not going to have much data on these teams because they're the national teams. That's the hard part, yeah. That's right, part. so it, that, and also, like, formations and every. I mean, it matters. Like, yeah. We've one had guy in and one guy out changes. It's 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 more similar. It's not like basketball where, oh, one guy, oh, the usage goes up because it doesn't work that way. It's just that the teams play, like, in the, in the Premier League, if you showed me the starting lineups of two different teams, the projected starting lineups and then and go, oh, well, no, they're going to play with this guy and this guy instead of that guy and that guy. I would be able to look at it and go, oh, they're going to be playing much more defensively today. Or they're going to be playing wider today. They're yeah. going to be playing across the ball more today. Like you would, anyone that doesn't know soccer will look at that and go, how am I? Yeah. How am I supposed to know that? And then you go, okay, well, I'm going to do a comp. And I'm gonna go anytime that this group played together. What did their stats look like? Yeah, but that's like you don't have enough of a sample size. And then yeah. also, you're in a situation where the last time they played with this formation, they played against a team that they were a minus 800 favorite, and they beat five to one. So what? Now they're playing as a dog against another team from some other country. Mm -hmm. Like you get into those things where you could project. I think set piece takers and. Uh, stats some wide how many how often do they cross versus not cross as a team and then yeah. you divide that up amongst people shots up amongst people and then you could use like anytime goal scorer odds non-vig to assign that to people but like like dude you can't even like soccer you an hour before kickoff that you're gonna get a different line like yeah one yeah. person changes you're gonna have to be able to run all of that like an hour before kickoff yeah. Yeah. And, and we've had that conversation before. And I, I mean, I, I think that I could probably do uh, as, as good of a job as any of the other like algorithmically inclined people in the industry, but I, I don't have the, the intuitive knowledge of it to, to do a really good job on it. That's one of the reasons why I don't do it. We have world cup projections here. Mortal grinders. It's the best, it's the best in the industry and it's hard to do soccer projections and mm -hmm. not many do them. Yep. So that, that that that's why I I was saying it more as a warning, of like 
I don't think you should even try to do them. No, I totally get it. And and I'm here to understand and accept that. I, I get it. Right. Because we have, we have Alex and, and, and Sean that do our... Alex, Alex is so good, too. He's really right. Good. And I, right. That's what I'm saying. He's one of the best DFS soccer players ever. I mean, top five. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm somewhere up there. So it's like, I he understands because he could look and go, oh, this guy's out and this guy's in. So obviously, how many minutes? Oh, they have this guy on the bench. This guy played midweek, so they're probably not going to play 90 minutes. We're going to have his median minutes at 75. Like, like if you don't know that any of that, like you're going to just you're going to be assigning minutes for no for no one, and you go, well, this guy's going to come off the bench. They're going to get three subs. I mean, there's a lot to me. It's weird for me to say, but I think knowing the sport matters more in soccer than it does in other sports. No, I mean, I I, I understand that, and I, and I trust you on that. I, it sounds like it's it's something where you'd have to have knowledge of how these things work. And I, I think that you can – obviously, MMA is more about duplications and, and creating, you know, situations. But I, I think that understanding MMA knowledge and, like, how MMA works is good from a sports betting perspective in, in a similar way. Yep, and we have sports betting stuff at Scores and Odds. Go sign up there. Go to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Click that thumbs up button. Give me those dummy thumbs on your way out the door. Uh, obviously, if you want uh, more of me and James's work, Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports for advanced players, get the Excel tools, get this 10 chapters of audio, how to apply profitable DFS strategies for advanced players, which you should be. If you're watching this show, you're an advanced player. You're even more advanced if you hit the thumbs up button, right? Do the true move. Be a true move viewer and hit the thumbs up button. Hit the subscribe button. We got uh, basketball stuff later today. Showdown, pre-lock show. We got tons of content even today. I don't know who's going to be playing in the basketball games. Everyone's out probably. Uh, and then then showdown, pre-lock show. I'm, I'm going to be going to wrestling. I'm going to be going to Raw tonight, so I won't be on hey. that. Probably won't be playing tonight, but uh, but no show tomorrow, by the way. Tuesday, we're, I'm, I, I, got a, I got an allergy appointment. I did. Not not an appointment to get allergies, but to get tested for allergies. So uh, that that, that if apparently it takes like three hours, to, whatever it is. So I had to make that appointment, and that's going to be during the show. So there's no show tomorrow. Programming note: Don't show up. You won't see a thumbnail. But if you do see a thumbnail, click the like, and then you'll see that there's be no show anyway. Because you know how much I love the thumbs up button. But I'll be back Wednesday. Answering your DFS strategy questions, at least trying to. I'll try. I'll try to do the true move, and answer your DFS strategy questions like I always do here on the DFS pregame show on RotoGrinders.com. <laughs>